Hello and welcome to the Kia Coachman Basketball Podcast. I have a great guest today, Cooper Klein, to talk about uh, Summer League, the draft, the Rockets. We'll go over a bunch of things. First things first, how are you, man? I'm doing pretty good. I have had a, a nice full day. Had a had a day off, spent the day with my girlfriend and my dog, and now just hanging out. I've been taking a little break from watching too much film and an actual basketball other than other than summer league and it's been nice to relax but you know i'm excited to hop on uh, and talk some hoops talk about some of my favorite hoops there is so i mean let's hop right in okay perfect so summer league just concluded the blazers won i think i I'm cannot tell you who won I, I didn't watch the championship game uh but i can look that up real quick yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter. That's not what Summer League is about. I am going to be honest, I barely watched Summer League, but you were at Summer League. So, I mean, how was that experience? What stood out? Like, what do you want to talk about regarding yeah, that? I mean, uh, apparently Portland won, which is sad because <laughs> I was very rude. I, was, I said some very mean things about the players on that Portland team. But, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I had a great, great time at Summer League. Um, I mean – I went and I met up with a bunch of people that I haven't really met before in person. Like I got to meet Stone, who, I mean, if you know me, you know Stone. And I met up with Corbin NBA, uh, probably just the greatest person ever. Uh, if you know Corbin, he's the exact same in person as he is online. Um, he, he's the, the coolest dude. Met up with a bunch of other great dudes. Uh, but then, I mean, just got to watch basketball for like six days. And uh, there are some... The, the thing about Summer League is is that some games are horrendous and then some games are, like, awesome. Uh, <laughs> there's a very, a very fine line between, like, oh, my God, Ferran Hunt had seven steals and, and the Knicks were so fun. And, oh, my God, I have to go watch the Clippers play the Lakers. And, <laughs> oh, my God. Like, that Lakers Summer League team was unwatchable. Uh, I don't, I don't want to be too mean. I don't, I don't want to put anybody particularly but on, like, a – Oh, they suck. But everybody other than Swider and Mason Jones and the four minutes total they played Fabian White uh, was was basically unwatchable basketball from that Lakers team. Uh, kind of embarrassing, but it's okay. I mean, Scottie Pippen Jr. was was fine, so maybe maybe they got something in him. But uh, I mean, really, I mean, there's not too much to take away basketball wise uh, because summer league is like what five games for each team. Yeah, it's a it's a microscopic sample size. But one of my favorite things to do is see like the roles that teams put their top players in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because the players that teams bring in to put around these guys, I think like to me, it seems like, oh, if if I didn't think that Dalen Terry, like if I thought Dalen Terry was a point guard, I'm not going to bring in somebody who I think is going to start at the point guard spot to my summer league roster. Right. Yeah. Like stuff like that. Uh, and so that was like, that's one example of that. Like the bulls didn't really have a real point guard. They just let Dale and Terry do that. And he looked very lost. Um, I mean, the Mavs were, were a fun team. To, they were interesting because they, they forced Hardy to play next to Jaden Hardy. They forced him to play next to guys that, uh, you know, did need the ball in their hands that had to do some dribbling and it, it sort of simulated what he'd have to play like next to Luca. Uh, the Hawks <laughs> brought in every single good small guard uh, because every single player on that team, if, if you have, if you are going to have a shot at playing, you need to be able to play with Trey Young. If you can't play yeah. with Trey Young, you're not making the mat, the the Hawks roster like at all. Yeah. Um, I thought that the one team that I couldn't really recognize any of that with was the the Celtics. I mean, a, a lot of teams, it's, like, hard to be, like, oh, what are they doing? What are they trying to do there? But, I mean, the Celtics just didn't have anybody. They just had a bunch of weird wings, and I think they were just kind of praying that one of them uh, showed out and looked better than the other ones. And, I mean, uh, what's his name? Shit, the guy who was on the Rockets. This is embarrassing. But uh, also the Justin Jackson or whichever Jackson was on uh, their team. I mean, J.D. Davison looked better than I thought he would for the Celtics, which was nice because I was very, very low 
on JD Davison, and then Cobb and Gale ended up getting that that roster spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they didn't play Jericho Hellams out of NC State, who I thought they should have. Like he, we talked about him on the show. He was kind of funky. There were there. That's kind of the worst part of summer league, right? Uh, is that you go and you're like, oh my god, my favorite player from two years ago at random not power five school is on this team. I get to watch him play. And then he rides the bench the entire time. Yeah. It's uh, like, it's summer league. Just play. Yeah, what are you doing? I like, it was the, the Suns had that problem where they, they played. Oh my God. I'm forgetting everyone's name. This is bad. Uh, but they played like their starters, basically uh, the entirety of these games. Right. Like they played Lewis King like 40 minutes a night. And then Ish Wainwright, who does like two things. Like he was born in 1994. He's 27 <laughs> years old. You know what he is. Why is he playing big minutes at the summer league? Uh, but then like Vrenz Blyenberg didn't play very much. Uh, Kevin Jang didn't play, who was kind of this random guy. Like I didn't know who Kevin Jang was until I showed up that night to watch the game. But you watch him in layup lines. And he's throwing down the craziest slams you've ever seen. This dude's 6'10". Like, like crazy play. athlete. What are you doing? Like, uh, it's like I get it because there's kind of like this this pressure, not maybe not to perform, but like Summer League is where teams send their coaches to like try stuff out, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's – there's that kind of pressure to succeed and not, not be awful. Yeah. Uh, but I just want to see, like, if you are that coach, your job is to show me, are any of these guys interesting enough to make the G league roster? Are any of them interesting enough to make the two way spot? You know, and I get, they have the practices, but sometimes you want to see somebody play in an actual game and not just a practice. And it's like, what? Get McKinley Wright off the floor. We we know what McKinley Wright is. Uh, it was it was annoying. But uh, the the Nets did the same thing with my favorite player, uh, Tajay Moore. They he was like their depth piece, basically like the last guy in their rotation. Uh, and the first game I went to go watch, I I went to watch Nets Bucks, and Tajay didn't play a single minute. Uh, I was very upset. I didn't enjoy that game. But then he played like four minutes the next game and then 12 minutes the next game. And it's like, I why can't you just play them a little bit every game then? I, I don't know. It's it's goofy. That's some really yeah. just, it's so weird. Yeah. I'd imagine summer league teams would just want to play everyone. Because yeah. like, like you play each summer league team probably has like two or three guys at most that you think, like, that is a guy for our roster. Like, lottery pick rookies, stuff like that. And obviously you want them playing a lot so you can figure out what has translated to, like, higher-level competition and what you can – like, what roles you can put them in in the NBA and then what – like, what needs work and maybe try to minimize their – downsides that you can see against like better athletes or whatever than you'd see yeah. in college. And the, the team that was probably the worst about that in my mind was the Bucks who like cut Luca Vildoza from an actual roster spot and played him and Lindell Wigington at the point guard, basically the entirety of summer league and barely played Hugo Basson. It's like, I, I know you drafted him with the very last pick this year, but if you're going to put that into him, it's because you have some kind of belief in him, right? And it's like, just see what he can do for like an extended run. And like, and I, I get it. Summer League is not where Basson specifically is going to show himself. Uh, he's not going to show off there, right? Because there's some guys whose games just aren't made for Summer League. Uh, Basson's one of those guys because he's a pick and roll maestro, right? And teams don't have these adept defenses for him to really break down and read. And those don't show up as much because guys aren't running super set schemes on either end. Right. Uh, that's, that's part of the problem with Giddy as well in summer league. Uh, Giddy got roasted for not coming in and dominating. And it's like, he's not the kind of player who's going to dominate summer league in, in any way, like in the way of his play style is not, he's never going to dominate a game. You know, that's not how he plays. Uh, 
And then also like he doesn't have the skill set to dominate summer league. Like it's just like he doesn't play that way. He's not that good yet. But the point of Giddy is he's going to get good and he needs reps to get there. And it's mm-hmm. just uh just lots of unnecessary criticism leveled at some of these guys. And it's like it's just summer league. Uh a lot of it's just for fun and, and some of these guys are gonna make it and you know, this could be a life-changing moment, and let's really just put that into perspective. Yeah, I think that last part's the most important, that it's just summer league. Like, I'm a Wizards fan, so a lot of my timeline on Twitter is yeah. Wizards. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I sat next to a few Wizards fans during during two of the uh, – two of the, their first two games, and they were they were not very happy. But it's, it's still – it's just summer league. Exactly. Like, okay – I watched half of one of their games, so I can't comment on what I actually saw on the court. But what I did see is people freaking out, like, why did we draft uh, Johnny Davis? He's showing like he doesn't translate. And it's like, I get their concerns, but it's five games of summer league. Like, he's just trying to see what works and what doesn't. Yeah, and people were acting like that, like, at the start of the second game. Like, it yeah. wasn't even, like, he didn't even get the full five games. I don't even think he played the full five games. Uh, like, people just lost their minds. And it's like, a lot of these guys who play poorly in summer league do just fine in the NBA. Mobley didn't have a great summer league. Trey Young didn't have a great summer league. Trey Young didn't even start the year well, like his rec- his rookie year. He came back and almost won rookie of the year, despite how bad he sucked. Like, people just kind of... There's so much, there's so, like, everybody has a different path. Summer League does not represent the same thing for every single player. Uh, and it, for most players, should not really represent anything. It shouldn't change your evaluation. Uh, I mean, there's a few specific cases where I watched a Summer League game and went, I feel kind of dumb for having this guy too low because the reason I had him low, uh, it looks like the team that he was drafted by is going to be able to like do something about it. Um, so like specifically with Ty Ty Washington, uh, I had him as undraftable as like my, like not as undraftable, but as like you, I can see why you would draft him. He's just not for me kind of guy. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I just wouldn't take him with a pick. I wouldn't put an an asset into Ty Ty. Um, and so he ended up being around 62, Though, I mean, if you took him like 31 through 35, would not be upset, right? But I probably should have had him as somebody that I would take with a pick because as a secondary who's not like bringing the ball up and run, like being your primary creator, he looks like as a secondary guy, he looks so much better. He looks so good at attacking, uh, you know, like these angles and these little seams in the defense. Um, and I just kind of missed it. Like he's, he's a small wing, not a guard or like a point guard. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, like, I missed that. And that kind of became clear after watching him play a few games and, uh, just in that role, you know, just, just guys like that are, are some of the guys, but you shouldn't really let that change your core evaluation of a guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's the summer league talk. Is there anything else you want to say on that before we move on? Uh, I mean, the Thunder were uh, really weird in Summer League. They were just goofy. Um, Jay Will is really, I, I think, Jay Will is Santa Clara Jalen Williams, and Jay Dub is Arkansas, if I'm getting if I'm getting that right. I think so. I thought it was the other way around. Oh, no. I actually have no idea. Okay. I think of it like, Jalen Williams, the wing is more like flashy, kind of more like swaggy. So J Dub like sounds better for him, and then J Will from Arkansas is more like just like a stick. <laughs> well, let's see. I, I gotta look this up. Um, I'm not. Seeing it. I don't even know how you would look it up. It's okay. We'll. Just, I'll just refer to them as Santa Clara and Arkansas. Uh, so Santa Clara, Jalen Williams was really good. Uh, he was a machine. Uh, just scored in every which way imaginable. And that was something that I was really like, I, I don't want to like toot my own horn, like, you know, be, you know, kissing my own ass, but that was something that I was, I'm pretty 
happy with that I got in his evaluation was his ability to like dissect different teams in different ways. Um, I think that's just a super core part of his game. And it took me a lot of film watching to really like figure that out. Uh, but like, and then the other Jalen Williams from Arkansas just showed that the grift is going to, it's going to survive excitingly. Uh, you know, it's going to, it's going to live to see the NBA. Uh, he looked like the second best big on that team. And I was really, really happy for, uh, for my agendas with, with how that OKC team played uh, when they did play. And, and that's really about it for summer league. I could go on for hours and years about all the random shit. But uh, we, can, we can just move on. Yeah, last note on that, I watched uh, Jalen Williams at Arkansas with uh, on that Moses Moody team. And I'm not like a big college basketball guy. I just kind of like scout the top prospects right before the draft. But I was watching that team because I was a big Moody fan and I didn't know any other player on the team at the time. But he stood out to me and I was like, wow, I really want to see this guy go to the NBA. So he signed like a four-year extension, I think, already. Yeah, he got a he got a big deal despite being just a second round pick. Uh, yeah, I, I really just have- wish he was on any other team because now him and JRE are who are like, if you squint really hard, are like basically the same player. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really annoying that OKC is stacked up on all these guys that <laughs> are just the same player with different. It's just high feel, big guards and small bigs, and funky forwards. Funky forwards. <laughs> yeah, that's that's basically their entire roster. But like Jalen Williams from Arkansas, I hope he gets minutes because uh, I think he'd be. I I think him and Chet could play together honestly, and I think it would be really fun. Oh that yeah, might be their best lineup. Yeah, I can see that for sure. So moving on to the next topic, which kind of like ties in with summer league a little bit, but the draft because I believe that is your main. NBA coverage is yeah I do I do mostly NBA draft stuff with upside swings uh we we're trying to we're we're trying to branch out and do some more stuff but it's still all basically about the NBA draft we're just trying to do more high school stuff and uh that kind of thing yeah and I watch a lot of Rockets games but it's mainly draft and then and then Rockets yeah so I mean, there's nothing really specific we have to say here. But one thing I want to say is just how crazy was the whole Paolo number one pick saga? That was like... That was bonkers. Like, that was... Uh, I I went in... So I turned off my Woj notifications like an hour, two hours before the... Uh, the draft. Draft, right? Because we did it all live. We did a live show and we wanted to get most of the picks live. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went into that being like, oh, Paolo's a rocket. Jabari Smith, the match, are going to take a one. They're going to be so dumb and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and then I, I ate my words. I, I ate my emotions. I, I ate my, my feelings, but it's okay. Uh, can't be too upset with how the board felt because this was basically how, like the top five, if I could have said, like no movement. This is probably just how it should go, or like a, a combination of should and will. Like Paolo to the Magic, Chet to the Thunder, Jabari to the Rockets, and then I mean Keegan to the Kings. I could talk about that pick for hours, <laughs> um, because I secretly don't hate it as much as I I do. Like I, I hate it because of what what it represents, but the the fit it and the pick itself, I like can't hate as much as I want to. Uh, but then, I mean, Ivy at five to the Pistons, just a, a master class. That, that's a, such a great, a great pick. Uh, him and Cade, it basically covers up like 90% of the problems that I have with Jaden Ivy, yeah. um, allowing him to be a secondary, allowing him to maybe get some like bench point guard reps, but mostly just having him play off of Cade uh, and just play that secondary role and maybe make some reads out of that. But he's not forced to just, Oh, you're the point guard. Now learn to dribble, fix your burst, like just 
doing everything at the same time. He's able to learn at his own pace. Um, I mean, the Pistons in general, they came out with two of my top eight guys um, without having to give up very many assets. Uh, I mean, the stealing Jalen Duran from uh, the Hornets, just a masterclass in asset management. Uh, and, and then the Hornets, I mean, had probably my least favorite draft of the entire night. Um, other than, I mean, at the time, the T-Wolves, but they uh, traded Walker Kessler. But, I mean, having Duran, who could be your starting center for the next 10 years. Yeah. Trading him for nothing. Or, sorry, a first, basically. A 2025 first. And then taking Mark Williams, who I had in my 50s and who I I would not have drafted, is just insane to me. Even if you like Mark Williams, taking a guy who's two years older, less mobile, a way a far worse fit for the modern NBA, and just letting Duran fall out of your you had him right there, and you let him go. And it's oh. Just, yeah. just awful, awful management. It's like, why we don't need Jalen Duran. We have Jalen Duran at home. Just horrendous. But it's okay. I, I won't. <laughs> I won't belabor the point. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have disliked the Mark Williams pick if Jalen Duran wasn't right in their hands. But he was, and they could have left that draft with Duran, AJ Griffin, or. Not yeah, you, yeah, don't even get me started on the fact that they could have walked out of there with Durant and Griffin and just gotten I mean, I had AJ three on my board. Uh basically everybody who who took somebody from like six on is like, why did you not take Adrian Griffin Jr.? Um, because it's like I I like AJ's fit on the Pacers better than Matherin's. I like his fit on the Blazers better than Shaden. I like his fit on the Pels better than Dyson. It's like I, I could I could say that about literally every team, but like specifically the Hornets and the Cavs, who are like, if we yeah. get on one more star, we probably go into contention. Um, just letting a guy like AJ Griffin to just maintain that status quo, uh, it's just so bad from a process standpoint. Uh, specifically, the Ochai pick. I had Ochai. He was one of my least like. Every, I, the last couple of years, I've had guys that I placed really low on my board that I didn't actually think were that bad. It's more about the idea of what they represent. Uh, last year was Duarte, who I had at 60, despite thinking he's like a late 20s guy. And it's the idea of don't take this wing over the plethora of young wings in the lottery. You know, yeah, like, are you taking a 24-year-old over 19-year-old Moses Moody. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. That was always very weird to me. Yeah, and then last year had so many weird, fun wings, and Duarte going anywhere but like the mid, the early to mid twenties, uh, was just always going to be an overdraft. And uh, I think, <laughs> I think the Pacers are are already feeling the sting of that because you never know what's going to happen in the NBA. The only thing you know is that you you don't know anything, right? Yeah. So just draft the guy who you think could could like has the best shot at being a really good player, because the promise of a, a solid developing prospect three four years down the line is way better than whatever you have out of Duarte, which is a boring, just old wing. What I'll say about that is the flip side of it is, I mean Duarte versus Moody specifically, I think was like a weird case where. I actually don't like I literally don't see what you prefer with Duarte over Moody considering the age gap. But just generally picking someone like that, the flip side of it is you know that you're getting a good player. Like if you just want to make sure you have good players, then that makes sense. And so that's why I actually don't I find the Ochai pick for the Cavs at all, actually. Well, like I do a little bit because Griffin was still on the board. But if he wasn't, which I didn't think he would be, I actually thought that was a fine pick because they already have pretty much like their core established. Like Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, that's a huge situation. With Evan Mobley and Jared Allen is already like 
that's your core. Like, you know, you're building there. They're just really missing someone at the three. And I think Ochai kind of plugs in very nicely and fits, like, fills the gaps. But when you have less of an identity, less of like a structure of where you're going, I think those picks get worse. And I'd much rather take someone like Adrian, though I would have taken Adrian Griffin either way for basically any team. But yeah. Yeah. So my big problem with Ochai is that I don't, I don't think he's actually any good <laughs> at anything other than like spot up shooting. I think he has a little bit of shot versatility, but like I said, I, I rank these guys way lower because of what they represent. Uh, I ended up having Ochai like one Oh two because of what, like this old college guard who can't really dribble is an overrated defender and just, Oh, he has a, there's like this idea around him that he can shoot. And I don't think he's as good of a shooter as it kind of shows. And I think that uh, Bill self is just great at getting these guys into positions where they don't have to do more than what they are asked. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like the Ben McElmore thing. Um, Ben McElroy can't do anything except for be kind of athletic and shoot. And that's it. And he looked like a star. Um, I think that's Ochai. I think he'll stick around because he looks like he can defend and he can shoot spot ups. But like, if you want a guy who is going to like, you want to draft and in the draft, right? Cause you can get somebody like an Ochai in free agency. There's a, you could get Ben McElmore in free agency for far cheaper than the 14th pick. Right. Uh, but in the draft, you want to swing. And even the, at, at 14, there were a lot of these higher floor role players who were like actually really good and kind of game-changing. You could have gotten Jake LaRavia, who's a great connecting four, incredibly young, still has some upside there. You could have gotten Marjan Beauchamp, uh, you know, swung for the fences with Peyton Watson. Or, you know, there's just a lot. You could have gotten Bryce McGowan's and just added the ultimate scorer uh but like it my my point is that guys like ochai are available in free agency for the lowest amount of money you could possibly like pay so you want in the draft you want to take swings on guys who you can't get in free agency especially when you're the Cavs and you're kind of stuck in mediocrity and you just need these small pieces take the memphis route and just hit on pick after pick after pick uh with interesting undervalued players that are just good yeah i think we disagree on how good we think oshai is but we don't need to get into that philosophically i generally agree with you that i would prefer to take guys that i think could be more but i mean like i was saying i think the Cavs, teams like the Cavs can afford to do that less than teams like this year's pacers who have nothing oh oh yeah for sure and i mean this was like what i what i just talked about kind of goes out the window if you're like the 76ers or the nuggets to a degree even though the nuggets actually bought a pick to or they like traded to get another pick and then still got their their project in watson but like if you're a really good team uh and you're like a few pieces away you can't afford for this asset to not hit. Yeah. Right. Uh, but like teams like the Cavs aren't there. Teams like the Cavs don't are not they don't have the the talent level to be just taking role players. Right. And I think the Cavs could be if Sexton's healthy and their whole team's healthy, but they were like a top what how did they get to the first seed last year? No, no, I think they were the third seed and then everything kind of went everything the, the 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 wheels just fell off basically as they were getting to the to the finish line. Yeah, but I think looking at it the other way, they were the third seed without their at worst fifth best player, at best third best player. Yeah. And and the only reason they ended up not making the playoffs is because like injuries i think there was covid stuff though i'm not sure and there's oh, still there was a lot of covid stuff last year so and then evan mobley's a rookie jared allen's i think 23 garland's probably like 22 so 
I mean, that's how I see it there. Like you already have a floor of this is going to be a perennial playoff team for a long time, at least. That's how I see it for them. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Take an AJG. I was shocked. I was floored when they did it. Yeah, it was. I I was laughing so hard, uh, especially after because you knew the Hornets weren't going to take him, right? Yeah. Like the Hornets came into this and they were gunning for their center. You know, mm-hmm. that's it. You like the Hornets are probably the most predictable team in in basketball, and a lot of that's Mitch Kupchak. But I mean, you knew that they were coming in, and after that Ochai pick, uh, you I I basically sat there and looked at it, and I'm like, one of Adrian Griffin or Tari Eason has fallen to the Rockets at 17, and I lo- promptly lost my shit uh, because those guys were three and four on my board at the end of the process, uh, and just having both of those guys available for the Rockets at 17 just a dream come true ended up going my way i had to turn off my camera and uh and my everything and i had to watch the moment live and when when adam silver walked up on the screen and announced the rockets got tari eason oh my god man i was like screaming it was a whole thing it was (laughs) it was incredible yeah that actually brings us to another thing we're planning on talking about like you said you're a rockets fan i actually think the Rockets had a top two draft. To me, them and the Pistons clearly won the draft. I mean, the Pistons, it's like not even. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think the Pistons just won it. Like getting, I... especially because they they got such talented players, but also like Jalen Duran, it is going to go into, like they made Marvin Bagley look like an NBA player. Jalen Duran's going to look like a fucking star as a rookie. I'm sorry. About- I- yeah. But, uh, no, he's going to look incredible. Uh, and then also getting Ivy, who we already talked about, just a great fit. I mean, they won the draft far and away. You just yeah. don't get star-level players that fit that well with your team at those slots in the draft. If you if you told me in any draft, this team has a fifth pick and will end up giving a protected first four or three years from now, how good did they do? I would never, ever guess they did as well as getting Jay. Oh, yeah, I would never go, oh, they won the draft, <laughs> right? Because other teams have to be so bad at drafting to let that happen for you. It's weird because I don't even dislike Charlotte as, like, generally drafting. Like, I actually really like what they did last year. I, yeah, I liked their draft last year. I, I was a little too high on, on Kai Jones, it's looking like, but I'm still going to hold on to my stock. Uh, like, we'll see. But- but I really liked the JT Thor. I didn't mind the book night. Book night wasn't my favorite, but I liked the pick theoretically. Yeah. Uh, that just seems to be bad coaching and bad management of mm-hmm. assets and players. Um, and then I also liked the Scotty Lewis pick, but that's because I was huge on Scotty Lewis last year. Yeah. That that really shocked me. That. Yeah, that, that team that I thought was like – pretty good because all those guys were guys that I liked so much and I loved their fits in Charlotte and they just took them and got them. They got Thor at like 40 and yeah, it was so good. Yeah. Uh, From a draft that I don't know if they had the best draft last year, but like my personal favorite draft, just like how the pieces fit Kai Jones as an upside that like theoretically puts them over the top. Yeah. Here they could have easily had the best draft. Yep. If they had come away with Duran and Griffin at 13 and 15 and five minutes. <laughs> first draft. Yeah. That's, that's the worst part of their draft. It's not the, it's not the pick itself. It's the fact of what they could have had. Exactly. They, it's, Oh, it's so bad. Like it's, again, I don't mind Mark Williams. I actually think he's going to be good for them. Not, I mean, Hopefully you'll get a better starting center, but yeah, he's a fine backup center, right? I wouldn't have drafted him because I, to me, not in the business of drafting backup centers. If I don't think you can be my starting center, I'm not going to draft you. I can envision, like I could see him being a starting center, but not like a very good starting center. Just kind of like, yeah, he's, he's like, Oh, we traded our, our starting center. Mark Williams can do it. Yeah. He's a fine enough replacement. And I think that that is fine. 
but yeah. like he was nowhere like the only center who wasn't like a star level prospect in my mind that I would have drafted was Christian Coloco out of Arizona. Um, and to basically be like not a star level prospect or like a high level prospect, you have to be like, in my mind, Coloco, who is the ultimate versatility center, right? He can slot in, play a bunch of different uh, pick and roll coverages. He can play the four defensively, slide his feet, quick jumper, basically no flaws. And even he's like, is he going to be a backup because he's so old? And but I, I think he could really be a starting center in the NBA, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mark Williams, I'm just not there because he's so limited, and that's just not the way. Like, if you're going to be a strictly drop big, you have to be like some kind of versatile in some way. And Mark Williams just isn't. And on top of that, he's a slow leaper and he can't get off the floor quickly and not great lateral mobility. Uh, It's just so tough for those kinds of guys to make it in today's league. And next time they make the playoffs, he's probably going to get played off the floor. I mean, that's the point of having Kai Jones is being able to play him at the five when your Mark Williams gets played off the floor. But wouldn't you rather just have Durin? who isn't going to get played off the floor. It's just bad process, bad result. Don't, don't want to, don't want to beat a dead horse too much. Yeah. Last thing on that. I think if Kai Jones becomes the guy that I hope he can be, and it seems you also think he can be, or at least thought, then all of a sudden the Mark Williams, well, like it looks better the Mark Williams pick, but then at the same time, it's like, well, then you didn't need to draft a a center. Yeah, you didn't need a center. Like I don't get me wrong. I still believe in Kai Jones. I do just think I was too high on him, having him above guys like Moody and uh Kaminga and Franz and Oh yeah, I didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had him I had I just had him far too high in the tier. I think I would have kept him in the same tier, but basically just had everybody else in that tier above him. Yeah. So I'm not like out on him, but mm-hmm. yeah. So- it, 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 there, there's just no need for a center if your if your team hits. But yeah, we can move on to the Rockets though now if you're uh, if you're ready. Yeah. So the the point I was going for, what probably <laughs> is the Pistons ran away with the draft. That was like a hundred percentile outcome. After that, I think the Rockets had the best draft, and I think given how it panned out, it went about as good as you could realistically hope for i think that's fair um because i think for the rockets i mean tari eason falling to 17 we've already talked about a little bit but that is uh him or aj is the steal of the draft or there's a few other guys who maybe qualify for that like Jalen williams in the 30s but uh those two guys just being as high as i had them and falling out of the lottery bonkers Mm -hmm. Tari eason specifically just such a perfect fit for everything the Rockets want to do. Uh, with the way the board fell with Paolo 1, Chet 2, you can't be upset with Jabari because there was no way they were going to pick someone like AJ, who I had higher than Jabari. Um, and so it's like, that was a good pick. You know, I had Jabari like 6 at the end of at the end of the process. So I wasn't like, oh, it's a big 3 in this draft and all this stuff. But I, I still like him. Uh, and I think for what realistically could have happened, I mean, we didn't take Keegan Murray. So <laughs> I'm pretty happy with that. And then even at where, when we ended up with Ty Ty, who I already talked about, I was lower on. I th- have a theory that the Rockets were hoping Blake Wesley would fall to 26. Uh, because I think Blake Wesley fits. I think they were just basically hoping one of Ty Ty or Blake Wesley falls to them. Right. Uh, because those were the two, defensive minded point guards. And I think that was basically kind of what they went into this being like, we want defensive minded guys. We want to add to that culture. We want to, cause our team was horrendous on defense, like a, a non-starter defensively. Um, but then Blake Wesley goes 25. They see that they could just get their guy a little bit later. So they trade back, get two seconds and draft tie tie. I don't like that pick specifically, especially with some of the guys who went after him, but I think that's really good process. I maybe don't like just like identifying your niche and drafting for that. But once you get outside of the top 20, do whatever the fuck you want. Like process wise, you know, go after your guys, 
whatever if they're your guys then go get them yeah you know? and, and getting tie tie and adding two seconds for it to you know from minnesota for somebody who i liked even less than wendell moore like watching back uh I, I I quite like the pick. I think it's one of my top five drafts just because of how good the Tari pick is. But it seems like they were they just got uh, like if they'd ended up with Blake Wesley uh, and Paolo Bancaro, I think that they would have won the draft hands down. Like they would have done better than Detroit. Uh, that's how much I believe in those guys. But uh, with the circumstances, I think they pretty easily had a top five, top seven draft. And I can see the argument for for having him too. Yeah, the way I see it is, and a lot of this hinges on the fact that I love Alperin Sangoon. Like, probably irrationally at this point. And so to me, him and Jalen Green, I think can be the cornerstones of a contending offense. You probably need like a third guy there. Well, you definitely need like a third guy, at least like, on Sangoon's level, probably. Though, I mean, you would hope that's Jabari. But the issue with those two, Green and Sangoon, is specifically with Sangoon at the five, if he's your long-term center, the defense is a problem. Like, even assuming Jalen Green becomes solid on that and using his athleticism and whatever, you still, like, have some stuff to cover for. And I don't think they could have done a better job of doing that than getting Jabari Smith and Tari Eason. I think I love the, well, I love in general fives, like very skilled fives, guys that can handle the ball, pass at a very high level, like Jokic, obviously everyone loves a guy like Jokic, but Sabonis types, it's why I love Sangoon. And I think with those guys, you, there are three archetypes you need. Like, very strong on-off-ball hybrid scorers, great shooters, and athletic guys who are proficient, like, cutting and moving without the ball. The Rockets now have all three of those things with Jalen Green as, like, the scorer, Jabari Smith as a shooter, and Taris Eason as that athletic guy that just I think so perfectly complements passing bigs. And then on defense, Jabari and Tari look like they can be elite, like both all defense guys. So to me, I just, I mean, I think they they just filled like the exact needs that they're, that what I think their type of team, their archetype should fill. And I don't know how much I believe in Kevin Porter Jr. as a full-time starting point guard for the future, but even if it's not him, I think they're two through four. Unless things go wrong, maybe Tarisen isn't as good as I hope or whatever, but or Sangoon isn't as good as I hope maybe, but assuming things go like generally how I think they will, I think their two through four is set, and six years down the line, that's a contending lineup, personally. Yeah, I'm not there with Shingun. Yeah, I, I imagine. Um, <laughs> um, he's just like, as much as I agree with you that having a big who can pass is just so valuable, uh, just the rest of his game is so scary to me. Um, the thing is, is that guys like Jabari and Tari are necessary to fit next to guys like Shingun because they're necessary for like partially because they're necessary for literally every single good team ever. Yeah. Uh, right. Like that's my, probably my biggest problem with the, I mean, there's a lot of problems that I have with the Harden era rockets, but my biggest is that they, instead of looking at the, Oh, maybe we need guys who are big and can do stuff. They went, Oh, we need guys that can do, who can shoot and play defense and, and do nothing. Else. Yeah. And do nothing else. It's like, Maybe if you added one guy who had some size for once, uh, we would not be getting humiliated on the boards. Uh, like if the if imagine Tari Eason on the eighteen Rockets, like in theory, like they I think they sweeped the Warriors that year. <laughs> but like, it's just a fact that these like you need forwards, right? 
You yeah. need skilled forwards. And Not coming out with two incredibly skilled forwards, just such a dub. Yeah, people have really um, – what's the word? When you, like, conflated. People have really conflated wings and forwards recently. They're not the same. Yeah. yeah, no, that's that's a big thing because I like an example. Wendell Moore is a wing. He's like six five. You know, Tari Eason is a forward. Jake Laravia is a forward. These guys are six eight. You know, they have that size and they usually have a little bit more athleticism and they're a bit more forward. Like wings to me are the guys who the Rockets gun for, right? Eric Gordon. Yeah. They looked for wings and like bigger guards and stuff like that. And uh, that's fine. I think the Bulls are kind of taking that route as well. Mm-hmm. But you need the like the glue guy forwardy types to fit around them. Because I think wings have specialized jobs. Usually that's kind of their thing. Like in, gen- in broad terms, wings have more specialized roles. Forwards are able to fill in the gaps uh, that exist for basically any team. It's like Harrison Barnes. Like – Mavs to Kings Harrison Barnes has played like four different roles in like five years. You know, he does slightly different stuff for each team and fills in different roles for each one. You know, whatever that team specifically needs, that's what he's going to do on offense. Uh, and then that he's just big and a solid defender. And like the, that is so valuable. Like teams that people have talked about, that's worth like two first round picks. He's like 30 <laughs> on a, on a kind of nuts contract at certain points. And the Kings still won't trade him. You know, it's just like that kind of player is just so valuable. And the draft is the perfect place to hit on them because they're still undervalued. Like Marjan Bochamp, a legit six, seven can play like the three, four, maybe not like a full forward, but is almost there. Peyton Watson, like six, eight, an actual forward falls to 30. Uh, Caleb Houston, six, eight falls to 30 or to, to, uh, 32, uh, Josh Minot, like six, 10 perfect weak side rim protector falls to 45. Like, what are we doing? Kendall Brown is six foot eight and the second most athletic guy in the class and fell to 48 because of the stupid, no middle defense. Like teams have just lost track of the it's it's missing the forest for the trees that the bar for these six eight six nine six ten guys the bars that they have to reach to be solid nba players are just so much lower and so much easier than for these smalls right than these wings and guards it's just so much easier for them to add value that if they hit in any way like it's it's just such an easy way for your team to just create pockets of value. And it's just, it's insane to me that teams don't just take swings on, like once you get past 20, it's like, oh, who's the best forward left on the board? Let's take him. And it's yeah. just bonkers to me. That's just kind of what the Raptors did for a couple of years. And they have a lot of players. And I feel like the Heat kind of do a similar thing. Yeah, the Heat do it. It's, it's, for specific teams, it's like you have to get guys who fit your culture. Uh, I think the Clippers have done a good job of this as well. Uh, like if you can just identify what the specific qualities are that you need for somebody to succeed on your team, like it doesn't matter the role. Like uh, someone like Tevin Brown, who I had as draftable in the second round, is like, oh, if you need a shooter who can play lockdown man defense and – also get to the rim a little bit and you know you think that he's a good culture fit then this guy is worth taking really really high you know like or like relative to where people see him like most people had him undrafted like relative to that i think he's worth taking pretty high if you're the right team uh i think that's basically what the entirety of the second round should be is will will this guy stick on our team is there a shot he does that or let's snag fallers who we had in our top 20 like kendall brown Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't really have anything to add on that. I think actually you said it pretty perfectly. Yeah, and I mean, we can just hop back to the the Rockets draft real quick. So there were a few more things. Uh, Washington, yeah, I didn't mention him. Yeah, Ty Ty is like someone else who, like a secondary guard who 
I think it's a little overrated as a defender. Um, I think some of the stuff he was allowed to do at Kentucky just isn't going to translate or be allowed in an NBA defense. And I think the man's a little bit overrated, but his feel, uh, that's kind of what matters, you know, because he has the tools, he has the feel to do the right thing, and uh, he's going to work his ass off, you know. Fits the culture, adds that a little bit of a, a tough nose, and if he sticks and is anything at 29, that's a dub. Even though I'm a nerd and, you know, if you don't hit on every single one of your picks and, oh, I'm so mad that the Wizards drafted Yannick Exosa at, at 54, they really missed out on some premium players like Jabari Walker. And it's like you just can't really look at the draft like that. Uh, once you get outside of the top 20, if you hit on anybody, that's a huge W. Uh, so if they if Ty Ty Washington is something, I'm going to be pretty happy, you know. I actually like the Ty Ty pick a lot because, and not as a starter, he's going to be like a backup for them long term. But I like it because, like I said, I feel like they already have, to me, kind of cornerstones of the offense, and they just need guys that can kind of fill in the gaps and like get the ball to the places on the court where it needs to be, like find Jalen Green in his spots, et cetera. And then also play defense. And I think just for doing that, Ty Ty's pretty great at it. Like you said, high feel. So in that sense, I I just like his fit a lot there. And I think it's, you know, at 29, I feel like that's pretty much as good as you're going to get. Yeah. And I, 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 my goal, like if I, if I had to place, like put a goal in like, this is what I think you should do for Ty Ty would be to figure out some more connective passes uh, like speed up some of his passing and playmaking, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think if he's able to play like a connector role next to the two bigger guards in KPJ and Green or whatever other guard that we get, he's able to like functionally be the three offensively, but be like a one size wise. I think that's kind of ideal. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like I talked about, I think he's just a small wing, not really like a a point guard in any way because he makes cool passes, but, and like he can, if you really need him to, and if the Rockets like think whatever you want about Shengun, he's not like a pick and roll big yeah. really in any way. Uh, and the Rockets just don't really have anybody other than maybe Tari who can effectively run in a pick and roll. And I don't think they're going to use Tari like that. Um, but if they got like an actual uh, pick and roll big who could, you know, screen and roll hard and be quick off the floor, put him next to Ty Ty. I think that could be an interesting semi-effective like second unit offense. Yeah. But I think that that's like, oh, that's his path to being a starter. Cause I don't think he's like a Hugo Basson level, even like pick and roll reader, right. Where he's just dissecting everything. He's just really good at, oh, I need to hit the floater here. Oh, I can hit the big, oh, I can go over the top like the three basic things in a pick and roll he can do. He can't really hit shooters too well. Doesn't take a ton of advantage of guys, but I think it's solid bench offense. Yeah, it seems like he can do generally a lot of like low-hanging fruit kind of, and I feel like yeah, that- that's that's kind of his thing, right? I sorry to interrupt, but like my thing with him was always he's really good at taking advantage of advantages that are made for him. He's not good at making advantages. Yeah, uh, and I I definitely miss the forest for the trees there because he is actually good at taking advantage of things that are made for him. Uh, I just kind of miss that because I was so hung up on oh some people have a motto and he's not that good and I, I shot myself in the foot there. Yeah, and I think next to Jalen Green, and again Sengun to me, but you know I'm not expecting to get a lot of agreement on that. But I think next to guys like that, that's exactly what you want. One thing I'll say on the Sangoon thing about him not being a pick and roll big is, yeah, he's not going to like, like clearly, he's not going to like set a screen, dive to the rim, explode for a lob. I think there's a lot you can do with him in like two man games where like he sets his screen, kind of like flashes to the high post, you run something there. But you clearly want a more like athletic, explosive big to have on the same roster if you have Sangoon. And that type of guy with Ty Ty Washington, I think, like you said, would be like good bench offense and like another dynamic you can go to when you're not playing through your main guys. Yeah, and I think Shingun 
is I think he's a great screener. I just don't think he's a traditional role threat. I think the yeah. best version of Shengun is like a really good short roll passer as well. And that's something that he hasn't shown yet. But with his feel and his passing, I think that's like what the best version of him looks like as someone who can run handoffs, do a little bit of high post initiating and and be a, a really good short roll threat. Right. Just having a ton of versatility as a as a passing big. And I I, I think he's still 19. Right. I'm not going to put it outside of him, but uh, he's just not. I think I'm just not there with him. I don't think the passing is as good as as some people say. That's probably my hottest take, honestly, that I that I truly believe Um, because he does a lot of the Trevion Williams passing where he like pins somebody under the basket. Uh, But I think with his feel and his ability and like his vision to see the floor, I think that's the kind of thing you can fix up right now i just don't like how people talk about him as though he's like a top five passer in the game right now when he's pretty clearly he's still not there he could be i'm not gonna say he can't but uh i mean just people get a bit too caught up in the in the moment with shengun and not looking at like his his full impact for me last thing on this because i talk about him way too much i think it'll probably get boring i think the di- uh biggest disconnect i have on him versus other people is i feel pretty confident in his ability to score on guys one-on-one and like maybe not like down low that much if they're bigger than him because he's a small center but like i think guys his size are smaller he'll be able to consistently score on either in like the low post or like facing up in like the higher post like elbow area to me, I like what I've seen out of his game in that respect, and I think that is one of the biggest differences between me and other people, why I am so much higher on him than usual. Yeah, and I think that's fair. Like, I like his his driving, actually. I like that a lot more than I thought I would when he came into the league. Um, <clears throat> and the fact that he's just such – like, <clears throat> sorry. Uh, against, like, smalls, he can just post up and kill him, and against bigs, he pulls him out to the perimeter and then drives right by him. Um, I think just that aspect of his game, if he can, my biggest problem is just how long a lot of it, like he's kind of a game stopper at times or like a ball stopper where he has to like take a moment and read the floor and wait for something to happen. And a lot of that is the fact that the Rockets don't move enough. Then a lot of that is also like just dribble the ball a little bit and keep the advantage alive a little bit more. Uh, There's just a lot of details with Shingun that, uh, that are very fixable, right? Like there's a lot of big picture issues and there's a lot of small picture issues. And if he fixes the small stuff, then he's like a pretty solid NBA player. Um, But you don't really like know, you can never fully say how much is going to get fixed, Yeah. right? Like as much as I want to be like, oh, uh, you know, I believe Tari Eason could be like, he. I I really do think he could return like star level value in the right context, Mm -hmm. right? If he doesn't improve, he's not going to do that because he's he's not there. It's like with Giddy. Giddy is bad right now, yes, but the bet is that he's going to get better. Yeah, you know, it's it's just it's such a tough uh, thing to sparse out. Yeah, I actually like that you mentioned the driving too because non Sangoon specific, what I think really separates a lot of bigs is because a lot of bigs can pass like really a lot of bigs are very proficient passers, but I think the real thing that doesn't get talked about that separates like Robert Williams, who is surprisingly good as a passer versus like DeMontis Sabonis is Sabonis doesn't have to be like stationary. He can move with the ball and then that opens up more passing opportunities. And that's why he's like, I mean, he's also just better at a lot of other things on offense than someone like Robert Williams, but I think that is one of the things that really can push bigs over the top. And that was actually, I agree, that was actually my biggest, or one of my biggest things about Sengun at the time was, is he going to be a ball handler? Like, will he be able to drive? And obviously not like, not like point guard bringing up the ball, like initiating the offense, but like in specific situations, is he going to be able to handle the ball and make something happen that way? And like keep the offense flowing, maybe. 
And I think Sanguin has shown pretty good signs there. And yeah, I think generally that's a big thing with bigs that is the next real evolution for them, not just being able to shoot or pass, but being able to dribble consistently so that you can make use of those other skills more. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the the goal with Shengun is I and also, I mean, my my thing with him is that if he could slide his feet enough to be like squint at him and you're at four, mm-hmm. um, I'd be so much higher on him. My biggest problem with him is defense. The offense is funky enough to where I think he'll get there someday. Um, just the defense scares me so, so badly. Um, even when he like plays good defense, he just doesn't have the physicals and guys will score right through him or over him. Um, and I, I mean, I could, I could go on for, I don't want to beat the, the Shengun bush too much to death. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, having Tari and Jabari who, I mean, Jabari looked better as a five than I thought he would, uh, at summer league. I thought that he would be like horrendous and he was only like, not great. So, uh, because for someone who can't jump, he actually was pretty good at contesting shots and being in the way. It's just his instincts are kind of slow at the moment as a rim protector. That was one of my big problems with him at, at Auburn is just how slow he sees things as a help defender. He's not like Tari, where Tari, like you can see his brain working and he processes the game in like half a second. He just sometimes makes the wrong read out of that moment, right? Like he decides to do the wrong thing as a response to that read. Uh, Jabari, it just takes him an extra second, right? And so his best moments as a rim protector are when he has that extra second and has the runway almost. Um, and like all of his defensive highlights are him, you know, oh, the pick and roll broke down and I'm the low man, but the, the it's a slow guard and I have like four seconds to get in the way. Everything that happened to him in close quarters, he looked cooked. Uh, it, it was really bad. I mean, sometimes his length was still enough but if you can't jump and you don't have the instincts, uh, it's really tough without that space. Um, I mean, I came up, like I liked it more than I thought I would because the NBA game is more space than college. Like that's just a part of it. You know, these pick and rolls are done higher and higher and he has more time to make these reads and, and do the right thing. Uh, yeah. And so, I mean, I'm happy. I mean, I, I thought he was like closer to a two, three, like a two, three, like a big wing defender almost who could like lock up one through three, maybe some fours. I think he's closer to a, like a one through four defender who can guard some smaller fives if you really need him to, but like team defense wise, he's really like a three, four. Yeah. And I think once he figures out low man rotations, which I think he will, he's going to figure that out and, and be a killer. He doesn't have the verticality for it. He's not uh, Jaden McDaniels, but yeah. He's got the length. He's got the lateral mobility. Uh, I think he's going to be a great four one day. And I think having someone like Tari who can be a, a, a three through five defensively, anything you want him to be really uh, just such a special duo. So, so special in defense. Yeah, I think you kind of took the words out of my mouth. I really love the fit as I think Jabari's man defense is actually really good. Like you were saying, being able to guard one through four. And I think he can use his length to be not like a rim protector, like help-wise, but just kind of like disrupt the game, you know? Yeah, his hands are awesome, right? And when you're that long and you have that lateral mobility, you don't need to jump as much, right? Because you are that long. Um, I mean, it's not my favorite. I would still rather have like someone like a Minot or a... Uh, Jane McDaniels or Jared Vanderbilt, like a a classic, like, oh, this is our weak side rim protecting four, then like stylistically someone like Jabari. But I think it works in its own way. You know, yeah. I think it is something that you can scheme around and have work. And I think specifically it works because I think Tari can take a lot more of that Jaden McDaniels type role where like, he has all the physical attributes in the world. Like, frame-wise and, like, physicals and everything, Tari is an A++ NBA player. And so, like, you can put him on guys as a man defender, but you can also have him, theoretically at least, and I think he will be able to do it, 
be more of a helper, like you said, Jaden McDaniels type thing. So I think the combination of those two together is like perfect in my opinion. And then on offense, it's kind of similar thing. They complement each other so well in the sense that they're kind of dissimilar where Jabari is going to like space the floor and Tari Eason is going to be more of like, like a cutter, like getting to the basket using his physicals, you know? So yeah, Tari is going like, no matter what happens, Tari's going to put the ball in the rim. Yeah. Uh, like they're, they are similar in the most broad strokes where they're two way long, big forwards. Yeah. Uh, who have versatility, they are completely different in every other way. Uh, exactly. And that's kind of, that's what you want to do with young teams is grab these guys who are like versatile in literally every way, but in a new way. It's like what Memphis has done to a degree, adding, they added basically three uh, like win now players, basically outside of Kennedy Chandler, which I really liked. I, Kennedy Chandler is a great player, but they added like three win now two way wings, right? Mm-hmm. But they're all completely different. Uh, Jake LaRavia, sorry, uh, is like a super connector. Uh, David Roddy is like a weirdo point forward. And then Vince Williams is just like the ultimate, uh, like the ultimate three and D plus guy. I don't like using the term three and D. That's really the best way to describe Vince, you know, is like just a role player. He's a really good role player on the wing. Uh, and they're they're very different stylistically, but they all are very broadly the same. And I think that that's just how you do the draft. You know, you draft these guys that you can't really get in free agency and just win on the margins. Yeah. Uh, agree completely. That's why I love the Rockets draft. I feel like they're really not only going after their holes, but also just drafting in a way that's generally a smart way to draft regardless of what you have on the team already. So yeah, I mean, is there anything to touch on? Um, I mean, Kendall Brown shouldn't have fallen to 48. Uh, glad Tari Eason's a rocket. Can't wait for us to draft, uh, Amon Thompson and, and Matthew Cleveland next year. So, I mean, that's, that's really about it. Um, I mean, yeah, you can find me at, at Ali underscore Oop underscore Coop on Twitter. Um, I'm not doing much right now, but I'm, you know, I'm just posting a little bit, going to watch some more film soon and have some fun. I mean, I, I had a great time doing this. There's nothing I love more talking draft and, and rockets, and I had a great time. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on, man. We've, you know, I was actually, I was going through my DMs to see, like, who I could ask to be on the podcast, and I saw we planned it, like, months ago and then never happened probably better happen now actually because you know the draft yeah this is a lot more interesting than it would have been um because there's just a lot more going on um and the rockets are a lot more exciting now that they have tari jabari and tai tai so yeah so i mean i'm really happy to have had you on this is a great episode usually i would say let the people know where they can find you but I'm glad you already did that. And yeah, it was a great time, man. Thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thank you so much again for having me. This was, this was just a blast. Yeah. Okay. See you.